Welcome to the Round Rock Church of Christ Teaching Podcast. We're a faith community located in the central Austin area that gathers at 8.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. We hope this teaching blesses you as we become spirit-filled and spirit-led Jesus followers for those who do not have a home. of Christ. My family and I have been members here for about five years, and this is my experience with the Holy Spirit listening session. So this is kind of where I've been um, spiritually in the last couple years. Tim and I have been working on and purchased land in Colorado. Um, he felt called to build a missionary training facility for veterinarians, um, and basically they're reaching out to seculars. Tim specifically reaches out to nomadic Muslims in India, and um, this, there needs to be a place for veterinarians to train in all kinds of animals. So we, we purchased 34 acres and we have been obedient to the point of huge financial sacrifices. And we've waited and we've waited and we've waited. And for the past three years, every time we thought that the financial opportunities and the work opportunities and everything that we needed for it to come to fruition would happen, it hasn't happened. And um, it has been devastating. It has been discouraging and um, I lost all my hope. And um, that's kind of the season we're in. Uh, Zane was preaching about Psalm 23, and I felt it was just for Tim and I when he was preaching about them being in the desert, because we have been in the dry, barren desert where there has been no voice and there has been no water, and it's been hopeless. So during this season of dryness and desolation, um, I was asked to participate in the home team. So I gladly took up the opportunity, um, something positive to focus on, something where I felt maybe I could make a difference. Um, to be honest, I've held the church at arm's length um, because I kept thinking that we were getting ready to move and um, I couldn't commit to things, I couldn't be a part of things, but uh, I neither have been prepared to move nor have I <laughs> been prepared to stay, so I figured I really needed to focus on something else and I thought this would be a positive experience. So I jumped in. So I went into the Holy Spirit listening session really with no expectations. As I mentioned, the Holy Spirit had him in a very dry, dry spirit. I wasn't hearing anything. I wasn't getting any affirmations, confirmations, no visions, nothing auditory, nothing like I'd had in the past. But I went in and um, as we started with the session and the praise and worship music, immediately I felt the need to lay prostrate before the Lord, even before there was any mentioning of how you should position yourself. And then from that point, the grief and the disappointment and the desolation just poured out where I cried and cried and cried so hard it was difficult to breathe. Um, just emptying myself of everything I had and then crying to the point where almost a child cries, like you cry yourself out and almost have to pat them on the back and be like, it's okay. And instantly, I don't know at what point it was, but I felt relief, I felt peace, I felt comfort, I felt joy, I felt refilled. The water had filled me up, the desert was becoming wet, and it was a night and day difference to me. And I was overjoyed, and I was on my knees with my hands raised, praising the Lord, and the Holy Spirit was present. So what I hope for the church is I hope that you will be open to the experience of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is alive and well and moving through the Round Rock Church of Christ. There's been so much evidence, and Sometimes things are strange and sometimes they're uncomfortable and sometimes they're scary. This is uncomfortable for me, but I encourage you to be open and to be accepting and maybe even going in with no expectations at all and just seeing what happens. And um, 
I think the Holy Spirit's doing great work in Round Rock Church of Christ, and I hope that each one of you openly embraces the Holy Spirit. So I know that uh, I do not just speak for myself, but I also speak on behalf of this church to the Scoopin family. We love y'all so much. We thank you, Don, for doing that video. We know that takes bravery. There's some people in this room that'd be like, I'd never do what she just did on going on that video. And thank y'all so much for being willing to do that. Um, if you heard Don refer to in the midst of that, that she was invited to be on the home team, ooh, don't tell anyone that just happened, okay? I'll turn back to Acts in a moment. <laughs> uh, if you heard Don refer to the home team, uh, that is a team that was commissioned at the very beginning of the summer to help us be able to discern what ways God may be inviting us to serve uh, the community that we call home here inside this building and also outside of this building. And you've probably heard uh, if you haven't seen on email yet, that uh, on September 6th at 630, uh, we're actually going to gather together that Wednesday night, and we're going to talk about a couple of updates that have happened with the vision, some of the work that's happening there. Uh, staff will be there. Elders will be there. There'll be time to ask questions with it. Uh, and more importantly, there will be a chance to hear some of the stories that have happened from the original kind of birth of some of this vision uh, and the ways that God is still working and moving. And, you know, Don's uh, story is actually a part of God affirming the journey that we've perceived God to be inviting us on. So I hope that you take time to be able to come uh, and hear and share in that. As we have been uh, slowly beginning this three-year journey, we have also started this series in tandem uh, that's called Filled and Led. And this language comes from the vision we're focusing on for the next three years to be uh, spirit-filled and spirit-led people for those who do not have a home. Because if we are not intentionally being filled by the Holy Spirit and being led by the Spirit, then we are unintentionally being filled and led by something or someone in this life. And for the first two weeks, I've covered out of the first chapter of Acts, the role of the Holy Spirit. So if you're coming in today and you hear the term filled and led and you're like, that language makes me kind of nervous, then I would invite you to go back and listen to those two messages today. I think some people may even ask the question, they're like, look, 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 look. Do we have to talk about the Holy Spirit like, can't we get back to like some other topics compared to one that seems like a little bit mysterious? And the book of Acts answers that question and says, absolutely, we have to talk about the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit is not extra credit for believers that just want a little bit more. The Holy Spirit is the teacher of the classroom of Jesus. And in the book of Acts, we find that the disciples are being taught, filled, and led by the Spirit. So this morning, I simply want to tackle just one question that may be in some of our minds as we turn to Acts 2. And it's this question. Why should we invite the Holy Spirit to fill us? I'm just going to answer this question this morning. 
Why would we invite the Holy Spirit to fill us? If you have a Bible with you this morning, I'd encourage you to turn to Acts chapter 2 that was just read. Uh, Acts is right after the four gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, In the first chapter of Acts we've covered, uh, Jesus comes back, resurrected, and is ascended. And then you find in the second chapter that the Lord pours the Holy Spirit on his people. So there's three things I want you to hear this morning of why we invite the Holy Spirit to fill us and lead us. Here's the first one this morning. The Holy Spirit and the church are connected together. You know, when uh, I was talking last week, I've had some people that have actually come up to me as we've been talking about uh, the Holy Spirit. And some people have asked me, you know, are we, are we trying to be Pentecostal-like people next? Like, is that, is that what we're doing? Uh, you know, some people have shared with me, like, I grew up with stories, Zane. Like, stories of people, like, getting in the aisles and yelling and having, like, these, like, intense experiences. Is that what we're talking about? And the answer is no. And we're not trying to be Pentecostal people. But what we are trying to be is people who remember our meaning comes from Pentecost. These are some of the first words that Luke actually uses to describe this moment. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. So immediately, like I've talked about, Scripture is just layered. There are meaning upon meanings that are happening. When Luke tells you in the second chapter of Acts that Pentecost is happening, this word means 50, and it was a holiday of deliverance. Luke's telling you that there's a background that's happening to this story, that there is a smaller story and a bigger story that's happening inside. And when God's people would celebrate the holiday of Pentecost, they would specifically remember the 50 days that happened after Passover. After God led through a man by the name of Moses, the people of God out of Egypt and into a new land. And 50 days after that, Moses, this great leader, watch, ascends up the mountain and descends with the life-giving law of God. And in Acts 2, you find that the disciples have watched this great religious leader, Jesus, ascend to the heaven, which means that God's spirit is descending upon those that he has promised them to. Luke is letting us know the imagery to say that God is doing something, that if Jesus Christ has ascended, then God is also descending his presence, his life-giving way. And I do not know better news for all of us to hear this morning is that before he ascended, he descended. That Jesus descended into the darkness that you and I see week in and week out. Jesus descended into the depths of sin. Jesus descended into the powers and principalities of the world, and he still ascended afterwards. The good news of God in Jesus Christ is that Jesus ascending means you are not left alone in the darkness that is in this world. The Spirit of God pours on God's 
people. And notice, when the Spirit pours out, it doesn't just pour on one person like we see in the Old Testament. It, the Spirit actually pours out on a group of people, the church. You know, there are times where uh, people kind of think in a duality kind of thought. You've got people who are like Holy Spirit people, and then you've got people who are like church people. You got people that are like, ooh, I love me. Some like conversation about the Holy Spirit. I'm all about it. You know, I, I've used the uh, imagery before of um, people being able to relate with uh, like the Lion King, the hyenas and the Lion King. Like every time the word Holy Spirit is used, they're like, ooh, that just gives me like some goosebumps. You know, people just really want some Holy Spirit. And then you got some people that are like, I just love church. I just love people. I love loving on some people. When the Bible comes together and talks about the church, it's interconnected with the Holy Spirit. If you like to talk about things of the Spirit, then you like to talk about things of the church. God empowers the church through His Holy Spirit. They work together. They're not separate and apart. The church depends and relies on the empowerment of the Spirit. So if you love church, if you love the people of God, you should welcome and invite the Spirit because the Spirit empowers the people of God. And if you're about church, you should be people who are looking for how the Holy Spirit is working in our lives. Because if you take the Holy Spirit out of the church, what you've basically got left is a book club. And last time I checked, Austin has plenty of book clubs already. Maybe one way that I want you to just take note of, of sharing in life of the Spirit is sharing in life of the church. The two are interconnected. I want to point you to all the letters in the New Testament. Paul does not assume or question, is the Holy Spirit working or not working? He assumes the Spirit is working. What Paul is working out in churches when he writes to them is how they steward the gifts and the activity of the Holy Spirit. So the first is, why should you invite the Spirit? You should invite the Spirit because God pours it out on His church and works through His church. Here's the second one. You should invite the Spirit and recognize the Spirit in your life because the Spirit energizes, refines, and enables us. You know, last week, I or two weeks ago, I talked about my appreciation for tiramisu and how it is this beautiful concoction of layers of coffee upon layers of just creamy goodness and how the scriptures very much are kind of like that when they are walking through and depicting the life of God's people. And uh, in Acts 2, there are all sorts of layers that are happening as this outpouring of the Spirit happens. Notice Luke uses some language, specifically in verses 2 through 4. He uses language like, the Spirit poured out like, the Spirit seemed to be. There are layers that are happening here. So suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire separated and came to rest on each of them. Wild, just wild. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. I want you to catch three words and maybe underline these three words that are in your Bible. 
that suddenly a sound like wind, what seemed to be like fire, and that the Spirit enabled. That there's wind, there's fire, and there is enabling that happens. When you flip through your Bible, when you find wind and fire, you find synonyms for God's presence and activity in the world. If you want to write just some notes next to these scriptures, I think this would be really helpful to look at this week. When you think about uh, fire, you immediately think of uh, when God was leading God's people, like in Genesis 15, 17, he leads them by a pillar of, or sorry, in Genesis 15, it's actually Abram and God are making a promise and God actually comes as a torch, as a flame. Later in Exodus, when God is leading God's people, he leads them by a pillar of fire. In the prophets, when they talk about God refining, God sharpening, transforming God's people, the imagery of fire is used. Even in the New Testament, 1 Peter even talks about fire being refined, your faith being refined by faith. In other words, in Scripture, fire means warming, it means leading, and it means refining. And then the scriptures, when you flip through, when you look at wind and you look at breath, you don't even have to turn past the first page of Genesis that the Spirit of God or the breath of God or the wind of God is hovering over creation and is about to create. When God speaks to Job, he literally speaks in the midst of a wind storm. And in Ezekiel, when you find that he's actually prophesying to these bones, the wind of God comes and brings life. In other words, in the scriptures, wind or breath means renew, regenerate, and energize. That the imagery that is being used of the Holy Spirit here is the work of the Spirit. When you invite the Holy Spirit your heart can be warmed in ways that your commitments to God have been cold. When you invite the Holy Spirit, your mind can be transformed and renewed in ways of thinking that you've been thinking for a long time. When we invite the Holy Spirit, our wills can do things for Jesus, like Jesus, in ways that without it, we're like, I'm good. I'd rather not. If you've ever heard someone use the phrase, you know, I think I got a second wind. The Spirit kind of works like that. The Spirit enters our lives. It's the wind of God that moves us forward in the ways of God. That the Spirit comes and breathes in us and refines us. And then God enables us to be able to do things that we wouldn't just do on our own. He gives us gifts to be able to exercise with one another and then being able to actually refine and give breath to each other through the Spirit. And you know, there's a lot of discussions when you hear Acts 2 read, there have been Christians who have spilled a lot of ink over saying, does God enable people with the same gifts or same ways that we see in Acts 2. And I really do, I want to speak to that a little bit later in the series. But this morning, I don't want you to miss getting focused on the expressions of the Spirit and miss the mission 
of the Spirit. The mission of the Spirit is to transform us, to energize us, to renew us. And God can do this in all sorts of ways. And one thing I would just like to advise us as a church when we get really fixated on, you know, does the Holy Spirit work this way or does the Holy Spirit not work this way? I, I think one thing I want to advise us is we want to be uber careful of telling God how God can and can't work in the world. I want to be very careful with that. I actually resonate very deeply with a thinker that wrote, you know, the Spirit works in a thousand different ways, and our number one priority is probably just to be open to whatever way God wants to work through us and leave the rest of the discussion somewhere else. Because if God wants to work, why not be open to any of the ways that God wants to work? So I, uh, I grew up in a background where uh, there was not much talk of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I, uh, I, I probably leaned and emphasized in a tradition where uh, it was all about the mind, cognitive, and reason. Uh, and I probably kind of developed a little bit of an attitude that anyone that wanted to talk about experiences or emotion uh, usually were kind of lessening what the Christian faith was. And I remember that I went to uh, a Bible college to study to be a minister, uh, and that did not help the situation because um, one of the ways that they train young ministers really early is you basically get in a classroom and they teach you all the ways not to speak of God, and for really good reasons. Because there's plenty of people that will grab a microphone that have no interest in speaking on behalf of God. And I remember when I went through that season in my life, I became very skeptical and very cynical. I could barely sit through a church service without hearing someone talk about God and thinking in the back of my mind, God does not work that way. That's inconsistent. They don't know what they're talking about. That's all emotion. And at the same time in my life, I also found that I started running into some struggles that I had never faced before in my life. And then I found a culmination on top of that, that I hit a really hard time relationally in some of my relationships. And then just to top it off, I was walking through a friend who was in a journey of trying to be free from self-harm. And I remember it was this terrible concoction that just kind of stirred up altogether in my life that I would have never said it out loud, but about the only thing I could do in my life was simply pray. And even prayer, I probably would have just told you, was just a therapeutic way of just engaging silence. And I remember one day, I was basically done. I remember I said to God, I said, I don't really get you. And I'm not even sure I care to get you at this point. And I remember just being at a place where I was like, I think I'm going to walk away and I'm going to be done with this. This ain't worth it. I don't want to do this. And I remember something extremely strange happened to me. I had this moment and I had full control of this entire moment. I had this moment where this picture just came up in my mind. It was this picture of me just laying out on the shore of a beach, which I would really like to be there right now, but I'm not. 
I had this image of me just laying on this beach in what I can only describe as just this imagery of just waves of love just washing over me. I even remember as it was happening, I was like, this is very strange. And I remember it only happened for maybe 20 seconds. And there was this weird feeling that while these waves of love were just coming over me, it was like the worry of my life was slowly just being pulled away from me. And I remember I walked away from that time of prayer and I was like, I'm never going to tell anyone about that, that I just experienced that. I'm going off the rails, apparently. And I remember, thank the Lord for mentors. If you do not have a mentor in your life, you need to get a mentor in your life. I remember I sat across from Randy Harris at one point, and uh, I, this thing just had really tripped me up. And I sat across from Randy, and I was like, hey, I had the dumbest thing happen to me. Like, I, I'm just not in a good place, Randy. Here, here, let, me, let me tell you how crazy I am that this thing just happened to me. And I'll never forget, as soon as I launched into explaining why this thing wasn't what happens with Christians and what happens with God and there's nothing that supports this whatsoever. Randy just stopped me and he goes, hey, 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 hey. I want you to listen to me. We don't force God. We don't manipulate God. We don't make up experiences with God. But when we do encounter God, all we do is receive. We don't explain, we don't justify, we just receive. And I even remember in that moment, deeply being assured that it was okay for me to say that I had encountered the living God and what a rest it was for my soul. And I tell this story partially because if you and I were sitting down and having coffee, I would tell you that everything situationally in my life, nothing changed. As a matter of fact, if I got really deep into that story, some of the situations that I was deep in ended in the worst ways. Nothing changed on the outside, but everything changed on the inside. I guess what I'm trying to say is that we should be very careful in boxing God in to say how God does work and how God doesn't work. Because sometimes God works suddenly like Pentecost, and other times God works slowly and quietly. God works cognitively in the mind, and God also works emotionally. And we shouldn't be fearful of that. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be discerning, and I'm going to talk about that in a couple weeks, of how do we discern the movements of God that may be happening in our lives. But the Spirit of God renews us and enables us, which means we encounter Him. And then the third thing I want you to hear this morning is that the Holy Spirit extends heaven. That when the Spirit works, the Spirit is extending out to heaven. When we hear these words, now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one 
heard their own language being spoken. We hear that verse and we're like, that sounds like a wild time. I don't think I've ever seen anything like this. But for the people of God who are steeped in the stories of God, they'd be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa. we've already heard this story. This story went way different. This story would have been back in Genesis 11 when there were people who actually believed that they could build a tower and actually ascend towards the heavens. That in Genesis 11, they literally said that they wanted to make a name for themselves. And in Acts 2, you have the Spirit of God descending down. In other words, God is extending heaven for the sake of His name. That He's reversing something that has happened in the world. And the Holy Spirit is descending and showing the realities of heaven. You know, sometimes I think we think spirit-filled and spirit-led people are these people who have these wild or outrageous experiences. And I'm here to say, I don't think that's necessarily it. I think one of the signs of someone being filled and led with the Spirit isn't mystical experiences, but mysterious attitudes towards others in the name of Jesus, because they know that heaven is coming. They're the people who take seriously the prayer of Jesus. That may it be your will on earth as it is in heaven. When the Spirit pours down, the Spirit pours on all people. And all people are gathering together. Which means that Spirit-filled people are not people that are filled with racism or sexism or elitism or ageism. They're people who are asking, what will God's future reality be like? And how can I help God bring it right now? The Holy Spirit is the taste of moments of heaven to come. This is why Paul will literally say in Ephesians, the Holy Spirit is the down payment. He is putting within you these experiences of what is to come. And the Spirit will help you do things that you can't do in your own power that are heaven-oriented. This is literally the question that comes from them. People see this and they're amazed. They're like, aren't these guys Galileans? How is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Translation. We know where these guys come from. They don't have the education or the Duolingo or the Rosetta Stone to be able to do what they are doing. God, through God's Spirit, uses us to be able to reveal that it is not just us. Haven't you had moments like this? We're like, ooh, that is, I was not able to do that just on my own. Some people in your life, they need to see you do. Peter literally gets up from this path. Literally, the, next, the rest of the chapter is Peter gets up and he delivers a bomb sermon. People literally experience salvation. This is Peter, the dude that literally just left Jesus earlier. The Holy Spirit gives us glimpses of heaven to come and works through us to partner with God in bringing heaven there. And I know with saying all this, I think the ending of this story is so, so helpful for probably a lot of our postures towards the Holy Spirit. Verse 12. Some of them amazed and perplexed, and they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, 
They made fun of them. Other translations, they mocked them. Other translations, they scoffed at them. And they said, they've just had too much wine to drink. You know, I think in a lot of ways, this is kind of the posture that happens. I think for some of us, when we hear talk about the Holy Spirit, we want to dismiss it. We want to scoff at it. We may joke about it. And then there's also a posture that wonders. Like what could be true? Wonders what it could be like to actually invite God to fill us and to lead us. And I just want to say, if you found yourself extremely skeptical uh, in this sermon series, my, my simple invitation to you uh, is just, would you just keep on listening? That's, all, that's my only ask. Would you just keep on listening? But for this last piece, I just want to recognize for those who may be in the room wondering, what could this mean if I invited and I filled myself with the Holy Spirit? You know, I, uh, I find it very interesting that Paul later in Ephesians, when he is writing to baptized believers who have received the Holy Spirit, one of the things that he says to them in Ephesians 5.18, he says, you know, don't get drunk on wine, but instead be filled with the Spirit. If you and I were sitting in an English class together and we parsed out the word filled, that word would actually mean be continuously filled. Keep going on being filled. In essence, it's not that the Spirit is this password game whatsoever of like, you know, there's moments where the Spirit's with us. There's moments when the Spirit isn't from us and you want to make sure you say the right words for the Spirit to be with us. No, no, no. Life of the Spirit is simply inviting the Spirit to fill us so we can be led. Uh, is Skylar here this morning? Skylar, Skylar, do you mind coming up? I, I've, got, um, I've got an image for us, and this image is not going to be perfect whatsoever, uh, but it may get at the connotation just a little bit of what we mean when we say uh, be continuously filled. Okay, so this is a uh, inflatable life jacket, okay? And uh, one of my dreams every time I get on an airplane is I want to see how this actually works when you just pull the cord and it's... Okay, uh, so if you wouldn't mind putting this on, don't pull the cord yet. That's the one thing. Um, usually when we talk about um, being filled, uh, we think is the Spirit like... Are there moments where the Spirit is like coming and hovering over us? And it's like, yes, the Spirit's with us and the Spirit disappears. That's not the connotation of being filled with the Spirit. How do you feel so far? Okay, all right. Do you mind facing everyone here? Okay. When we talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit, saying yes to Jesus means you've received the Holy Spirit. The invitation is to pray, come Holy Spirit, fill me. And the activity of the Spirit is an intensifying, a releasing, a deepening, of greater revelation of who Jesus is and what you're capable of with the Spirit. So when we pray, come Holy Spirit, don't think of it as the Spirit is out of the room and then leaves the room and comes back in the room, but think of it as, let's pull that bad boy. Yep. Okay, all right, okay, okay, okay. We're gonna regroup real fast. All right, so hold, hold. 
hold that piece right, hold that piece right there. Okay, and then just yank that back. Not yet, not yet. All right, now yank it. Still no, huh? Okay, all right, okay. Can I hold this? Pull it now. No, okay, all right, well, we tried, Skylar. We really tried. Can we have... <laughs> hey, this is my gift to you for this moment, okay? All right, you get to keep that. All right, that's my gift to you. All right, <laughs> thank you, Skylar. All right, so the illustration, if it would have worked, would have been an expanding... Okay, am I getting this point across? It's very crucial. We're not talking about the Spirit leaving the room, come back into the room, yada, yada. We're talking about how the Spirit deepens our relationship with God. This is one of the reasons that Scripture uses the term grieving when we ignore the Spirit or we lie to the Spirit. If you want to know how to live a life that is like Jesus, then you ask the Spirit, Come, Spirit, and fill me. And I know for some of us, we're like, that feels really weird to pray, Zane. Like, I'm not sure that I don't want to be weird. I don't want to be weird, Zane. And I think my answer, I would say the same thing that my mentor said to me a really long time ago. The Spirit's not going to make you weird. The Spirit's going to make you like Jesus, and that may make you weird. There's a difference there between the two of those things. So sweep my invitation to you. When you're sitting quietly in prayer, would you just pray, come Holy Spirit and fill me now. Come Holy Spirit and fill me now. You know, one of the reasons that we're doing the Holy Spirit listening sessions is we want everyone to be able to actually practice a life that is filled and led by the Spirit. And if you're in the place that you're like, I just... I. I don't really understand the language we're using. I'm not sure where we're getting this. Uh, come join the process of joining a Holy Spirit listening session. It's a chance to be able to practice this together as a church, to live out the life that we have with the Holy Spirit. So Lord, I pray for us as a church. Can your Spirit come and fill us? Lord, I know many of us are catching a sense of all the exciting invitations of ways that you want us to be your hands and feet for the community. So God, we pray, can you fill us with your presence and your power so we can go live out your presence and power in the world and so other people can catch a glimpse of your kingdom coming and what it will be like one day here on earth as it is in heaven. We pray this together. Amen.